Hello, this is Adrian Hendricks. And Jerry Hendricks of Say One More Now, Incorporated, where our focus is to lovingly confront all activities dishonoring human life, created in the very image of God. There is no greater dishonor to human life and to God than to bypass by ignorance or rejection his salvation that is only available through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today. The focus of this broadcast has to do with what the Bible calls abominations. Webster's 1828 Dictionary includes the following words in the definition of abomination. Extreme hatred, detestation or the object of detestation, defilement, pollution in a physical sense, and evil doctrines and practices which are moral defilements such as idols and idolatry. In short, an object that causes extreme hatred is called an abomination. Anyone who has read the Bible for some time or has listened to various sermons already has an idea of those things that God sees as abominable. Usually, it involves behavior that has either immediate or long-term destructive results for oneself and or for others. We could probably make reference to biblical passages such as 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 that warn believers against abominations because of what they have become in Christ. Do you not know that you are God's temple and the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy this one, for God's temple is holy, which you are. Another passage that clearly spells out abominable actions is also in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. It reads, Don't you know that evil people won't have a share in the blessings of God's kingdom? Don't fool yourselves. No one who is immoral or worships idols or is unfaithful in marriage or is a pervert or behaves like a homosexual will share in God's kingdom. Neither will any thief or greedy person or drunkard or anyone who curses and cheats others. The Pharisees tried to be superbly aware of violations against the law of Moses to prevent abominable acts. But Jesus demonstrated that their zeal for the law was confused with man-made traditions that had gradually replaced the law. The following exchange took place between our Lord and these religious experts as they challenged him about his disciples' lack of hand-washing in Mark chapter 7, starting at verse 5. The Pharisees and scribes asked Jesus, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat loaves with unwashed hands? But he answered and said to them, Well has Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. However, they worship me in vain, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the dippings of pots and cups, and many other such things you do. And he said to them, Do you do well to set aside the commandment of God so that you may keep your own tradition? For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and whoever curses father or mother, let him die the death. But you say, If a man shall say to his father or mother, Corbin, that is, a gift to God, whatever you may profit by me, and you no longer allow him to do anything toward his father or mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition which you have delivered, and you do many such things. And calling near all the crowd, he said to them, Listen to me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from outside a man which entering into him can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are the ones that defile the man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. 
And when he had entered into the house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he said to them, Are you also without understanding? Do you not perceive that whatever enters into the man from outside cannot defile him because it does not enter into his heart, but into the belly and goes out into the waste bowl, purifying all food? And he said, That which comes out of the man is what defiles the man. For from within, that is, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things pass out from inside and defile the man. Jesus is plainly teaching that evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, wickedness, and lasciviousness defile men and make them detestable and abominable to God. But he just as plainly teaches that covetousness, deceit, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness also defile people. To continue in any of these sinful things defiles that person, keeps them from attaining holiness, and puts them in danger of being separated from God forever. Many people today, even some in our church fellowships, don't want to hear what God has to say about anything and surely not about hell and how one can easily end up there. The reason we talk so much against sin is to issue a solemn warning to remain alert against being tricked by what Hebrews 3.13 calls the deceitfulness of sin. 1 John 3 verses 4 through 9 explains it like this. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he, Jesus, appeared to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. The Bible provides clear warnings like these about abominations so that potential practitioners will reconsider their ways and avoid spending eternity away from God. Some people listening may say, that excludes me since nothing I do is mentioned in those verses. Well, keep listening. There is yet another list of things that the Lord finds hateful and abominable. These acts of abomination are individual, more subtle, are likely to have deep roots within us, and are just as deadly. With this, we come to our subject text. From Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, we read, These six things the Lord hates, indeed, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, the spirit that makes one overestimate himself and underestimate others, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies even under oath, and he who sows discord among his brethren. These sound like something people did in days gone by. 
But actually, people, even those who call themselves Christians, can be found doing these very things now. Let's examine each one of these hateful things in the reverse order. The seventh abomination on the list is sowing discord among brethren. The commentator and Bible teacher John Gill says, This is he who troubles the peace of a family, of a village, of the state. All who by lies and misrepresentations strive to make men's minds evil affected towards their brethren. An example of this person is found at Proverbs 6 verses 14 and 15. Willful and contrary in his heart, he devises trouble, vexation, and evil continually. He lets loose discord and sows it. Therefore, upon him shall the crushing weight of calamity come suddenly. Suddenly shall he be broken, and that without remedy. Other scriptures speaking to this sin of sowing discord among brethren are Proverbs 16, verses 27 through 28, Proverbs 22, verse 10, 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, and James 3, verse 14. We continue the list with a false witness who breathes out lies even under oath. According to Gill, this is distinguished from a lying tongue. This is the sin of bearing false witness against one's neighbor, a breach of the eighth command. It may be rendered, he that bloweth lies, that raises lies, and spreads them abroad, and swears to them to the damage of others. Probably the most hateful example of this in the Bible is the sad story of Naboth, whom the queen of Israel, Jezebel, had killed by producing false witnesses against him to acquire a vineyard Naboth had inherited. This account is found at 1 Kings chapter 21. Included also on the list of abominations are feet that be swift running to do evil. Gill says, This speaks of those who commit all manner of sin with greediness, especially murder. A caution is directed about associating with these people at Proverbs chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. Throw in your lot with us, they insist, and be a sworn brother and comrade. Let us all have one purse in common. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Restrain your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 7 describes them like this. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Desolation and destruction are in their paths and highways. Next on the abomination list is a heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans. Gill states, Thoughts of wickedness which are framed and formed in the heart, and this being the source and fountain of all wickedness, is placed in the midst of these hateful and abominable things. Evil thoughts and designs both against God and men are intended, which are forged and fabricated in the wicked heart of man. In Psalm 36, verses 1 through 4, David warns, Transgression, like an oracle, speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear or dread of God before his eyes, for he flatters and deceives himself in his own eyes that his iniquity will not be found out and be hated. The words of his mouth are wrong and deceitful. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. He plans wrongdoing on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject or despise evil. Micah 2.1 warns, Woe to them that devise iniquity and work evil upon their beds, 
When the morning is light, they practice it because it is in the power of their hand. And Zechariah 8, 17 adds, And let none of you imagine evil in your hearts against his neighbor, and love no false oath, for all these are things that I hate, says the Lord. Next on the list of abominations are hands that shed innocent human blood. Gill says such hands must be defiled, and such men must be hateful to God. They are destroying his image and being like to the devil who was a murderer from the beginning. Deuteronomy 27 verse 25 states, Cursed is he who takes a bribe to slay an innocent person. Psalm 94 verses 20, 21, and 23 give God's view. Can there be allied with you a throne of destruction, one that forms trouble based on statute? They band together against the life of the righteous and declare the blameless guilty of blood, and he will repay them on their iniquity, and by their evil he will destroy them. Yahweh, our God, will destroy them. The murderous practice of abortion has filled our country with the blood of innocent unborn babies. These abominable acts are seen by God, and we are bearing the consequences of our actions. Isaiah 59 verses 1 through 3 state, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened at all that it cannot save, nor his ear dull with deafness that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue mutters wickedness. The next abomination mentioned is a lying tongue. Gill states, A lying tongue is associated with speaking falsehood, knowingly and willingly, with an intention to deceive others, to hurt the character of a neighbor, or to flatter a friend, and is a most detestable evil. For our God is a God of truth, and there isn't anything in which a man more resembles the devil than when he lies, for the devil is the father of lies. At John 8:44, Jesus tells the Jews, Your father is the devil, and you do exactly what he wants. He has always been a murderer and a liar. There is nothing truthful about him. He speaks on his own, and everything he says is a lie. Not only is he a liar himself, but he is also the father of all lies. David reflects at Psalm 5, verse 6, You will destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors and rejects the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. At Proverbs 12, verse 22, we are told, Lying lips are extremely disgusting and hateful to the Lord, but they who deal faithfully are his delight. Last on our list is a proud look, about which Gill explains, It is scorning to look down upon others, or looking upon them with disdain, or reckoning them as unworthy to be looked upon, having an high opinion of their own worth and merit. Pride is the first of the hateful things mentioned, and it is directly opposite to God and to His nature, and against which He sets Himself, for He resisteth the proud. The pride of the heart shows itself in the eyes, or by the looks of a man. At James chapter 4, verse 6, we are told, God sets himself against the proud and haughty, but gives grace continually to the lowly, those who are humble enough to receive it. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 tells believers to clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God sets himself against the proud, that is, the insolent, the overbearing, the disdainful, the presumptuous, 
the boastful, and he opposes, frustrates, and defeats them, but gives grace, favor, and blessing to the humble. If we take an honest assessment, do any of these descriptions fit us? Although many people self-identify as Christian, many are likely Christian and name only, much like I used to be. You see, I was a Christian on Sundays, served in church, carried my Bible, but didn't read much of it, understood some of the Christian terms, had a fish on my car, but lived no differently than the world during the week. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 talks about this very change. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. What has truly changed in our lives since we confess publicly that Jesus Christ was raised to life by God? For me, it was deliberately developing a personal relationship with Jesus Christ who saved me. What about you? Are you known for having a proud look? Are we guilty of looking down our noses on certain people or groups of people because we consider their lifestyles as sinful? We are not advocating sinful behavior or encouraging it in others. But those living this way need to see Jesus. As true Christians, part of our calling to be salt and light is showing them Jesus. For some, we may be the closest they get to seeing him. Are we guilty of looking down our noses on people who don't look like us on the outside? Even those sporting God's various array of skin colors, hair textures, and facial features? What do you think when you see the homeless? Do you walk over them or just pass them by? Or the wealthy? Do you judge them in your heart and assume what they have was ill-gotten? What is your assessment of those living in a different neighborhood or side of town than you? Christians, what about those in a different denomination than yours? Do you have a proud look? Do you consider yourself to be better or to have arrived because of something you have attained in this life? As we diligently pursue Jesus every day, we will find that we have the mind of the Lord. Then our motives will be purified as described in Philippians 2, verse 3 and verses 5 through 11. Do nothing according to selfish ambition or according to empty conceit, but in humility considering one another better than yourselves. Think this in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider being equal with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a slave, by becoming in the likeness of people. And being found in appearance like a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, that is, death on the cross. Therefore, also, God exalted him and graciously granted him the name above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As Christians, we must realize that we do not belong to ourselves, but we are responsible for following the leading of Jesus. Therefore, whatever shows up as truly good in us is the result of the presence of Jesus in our hearts. As Paul said at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. In him I have shared his crucifixion. 
It is no longer I who live, but Christ the Messiah lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in and by adherence to and reliance on and complete trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And Jesus gives us such a worthy goal. At Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If you are a Christian and you have heard something familiar that connects you with any abominations we have discussed, it is not too late for you to go to the Lord, confess your sin, and repent by forsaking it. Restore your relationship with your Heavenly Father today. However, if you are not a Christian and have heard something that makes you want this God who made you and loves you, please know that He sent His sinless Son, Jesus, to pay the blood price for the offense of sin so that we all might secure eternity with Him. Without Jesus, we cannot clean ourselves up enough for God, nor can we make the choice to stop detestable, abominable acts. But believing that God raised Jesus from the dead gives us and you the power to choose Him and His ways, and His Holy Spirit has the power to make you clean and keep you unpolluted. Dear Father, we thank you for those who are listening to this broadcast, and we thank you for the opportunity to speak your words to them. Many of them have accepted the payment for their sin nature by the blood of your Son, Jesus, and they love you back with everything they have and everything they are. As Jesus gave us the definition of love for you at John 14:21, as keeping the commandments he left for us, these beloved by you love you according to that standard. We thank you for them and their witness to those around them. We thank you, Father, that they are kept by your mighty power according to your word at Jude 1, 24, that says you are able to keep them from falling, and you do so to present them faultless before the presence of your glory with exceeding joy. We also thank you for the opportunity to speak to those who do not know you or love you, and those who believe they belong to you but do not. We ask you to grant them the repentance that brings eternal life spoken of at Acts 11:18. We ask that you shine the light of your love into their hearts so brightly that they see their sins as you see them. We ask that they be so softened toward you that they are moved to change their minds about those sins and forsake them forever. We also ask you that everyone listening to this message will have the revelation of the great love you have for each one of them. Please, Father, let the realization of that love be so powerful as to heal every hurt and pain, break through every vestige of unbelief brought on by those who have misrepresented you, bring peace to every trauma and torment caused by life in a fallen world, Fully meet every incident of lack and want and destroy the chains of demonic bondage. Let your presence, dear Father, break through every lie that encases those you love so much so that your only Son, Jesus, is revealed to the eyes of their hearts and they know beyond knowing that the sin ransom for them was paid so they could be with you forever. We also ask, precious Father, that all these be protected from the one that would lead them away by trickery from the shelter of the shepherd and guardian of our souls, Jesus. Bring to their remembrance, dear Father, that saving faith in your Son, Jesus, is the only means of deliverance for them from the wrath that is coming upon the world because of those who disobey you. 
Thank you for hearing us. We give all praise, honor, and glory to you, loving Father, for revealing your enormous heart to us and for making us yours through the life of Jesus, the precious blood of Jesus, and the mighty resurrection of Jesus. It is in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. We at Say One More Now Incorporated encourage all listeners to seek the Lord for his calling on your life. If you are faithful to spend time with him throughout the day, you will come to know without a doubt that he really loves you and he has a purpose for your being here. We can be reached by email at truelife at saveonemorenow.org or at our telephone number in the United States, 850-727-0493. We look forward to joining you next week and ask you to remember, Life is good. God gives life. God is good.